It's time for my annual trip to the gym. You only go once a year? Yep. Arrive. Have no clue what to do. Try some random exercises. Leave. That's it. You should try FitBod. It's an app that builds a workout routine just for you, based on your goals, fitness level, and equipment. And a whole year of FitBod costs less than one session with a trainer. Wow. This has already been my most productive gym trip yet. Download FitBod today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbod.me slash getfit. I've officially arrived at the gym. That's step one. What's step two? I guess just stand here until an idea for a workout routine comes to me. Or maybe step two is flagging down a trainer to help nope, and- No way. I already spent most of my money on the gym membership. I can probably figure it out myself. Or you could try FitBot. It's an app that builds a workout routine for you based on your goals and fitness level. You can even tell it what equipment you have so you can get a plan that's customized just for you. So FitBod does all the planning for me. I don't have to Google random videos hoping they're right for me. That's right. FitBod actually has exercise demo videos for you too. Plus, a whole year of FitBod costs less than a single session with a trainer. Huh. Maybe I'll finally get more than one workout out of my gym membership this year. Download FitBod today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbod.me slash getfit. That's fitbod.me slash getfit. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 104 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Click and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have a really fun episode today, breaking down a live dynasty draft that we are all currently in. And we have a great guest with us as well that is also in that draft. And with me, of course, my 80 grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, bud? That's good to be back. We've uh, had a lot of good episodes and now getting back to some some dynasty talk here and talking about a actual dynasty draft, which is fun. We're uh, in a new league called the Highlander Dynasty Invitational that we will discuss today, and we'll break it down a little bit, break down some teams, break down some picks. It's going to be a good show. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm excited for our guest, a first-time guest of the show. So I'm really, really looking forward to what he has to say for us. Absolutely. Our guest is a staff writer for SP Streamer and co-host of the new SP Streamer podcast that's on that network, which is on the Fantrax network, all under that all under that Fantrax HQ umbrella. That is called The Next Pick with Peyton Skinner. Our guest is Mr. Drew Wheeler. You can find him on Twitter at Drew is okay, and he is much more than okay, that is for sure. <laughs> Drew, how's, how's it going, man? Thanks for coming on. Gentlemen, pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me, and I appreciate the warm introduction and the warm welcome. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, good, man. All, it's good to be here. Yeah, it's That's good. Great. It's always good to talk baseball and talk a, a live dynasty draft that we're all in, and not a mock draft. We've talked mock mm. drafts earlier this offseason, and mock drafts after a while, they're fun for what they are, and they help pass the time. But I think, I think I don't know if I can speak for you guys, but like I get, reach a certain point where I'm like, all right, 
I'm done with mocks. Like, especially after I've had so many actual drafts under my belt for the season, I'm like, I don't need to do any more mocks really. So it's, it's fun to talk a live draft here. And as Chris said, we were talking the Highlander Dynasty Invitational uh, that was started. It's a 20 team league here. We are in near the end of round seven, pick 136 or Eight. seven. 138. There we go. Thank you, Chris. Uh, so a lot of good picks so far. We'll break it all down. I'll throw it over to Chris first here. He'll give you the details of the league. All right. So it's actually a pretty unique dynasty league. We'll go over the basics first and then talk about some of the cool rules that are in the league. But it's a 20 team league, as Eric mentioned, comprised of mostly industry dynasty writers. I actually think pretty much everybody in this league is an industry dynasty rider which is fun it presents a, a nice challenge and a tough draft room it's a 23 man active roster praise the lord it's just one catcher we have two <laughs> utility spots yeah i can't even imagine doing a two catcher league with 20 teams dynasty that would be horrific so it's just a one catcher league hey doug, make- doug our editor doug anderson would love that he he wants to do like a four catcher al central only dynasty <laughs> league or something like that <laughs> So, so I'm in. A, I'm currently in a DC on NFBC, and someone posted in the chat today: "Is this a five catcher league?" And I'm not sure if they were serious or not. I hope they weren't, but that would be be pretty horrific. But oh, I, I can't even imagine. No, no, no. <laughs> anyway, it's 23 man active, 40 man roster in general, five IL spots, no separate minor leagues. You can kind of incorporate the minor league however you want to on your roster. There'll be weekly fab. 20 or 20 games to qualify for position kind of like normal um, standard five by five roto which is important it's kind of neat we did an invisible hand system for the initial draft which basically means that we all submitted the amount of keepers that we'd be willing to give up for certain draft spots so say if you wanted the first overall pick which jesse roach did he he bid 13 keepers so he'll give up 13 keepers next season for that first overall pick that he used it is there is some cool twist. There's an open universe. You have two open universe spots. So I could draft Tamar Johnson or Andrew Jones and use them in the open universe slot. And you know, even though they're not on the MLB team, yet you every team has two slots to use. So that makes it a lot of fun. Like if you know some like um, KBO or MPB players that are going to be coming over soon, then you can get those guys and throw them in, in that open universe slot. Um, the, how the keepers work is kind of interesting. There's like three layers to it. But – the offseason draft order is actually determined to kind of prevent tanking. So the teams that finish one through 10 are, are locked into the 11 through 20 pick spots, but the, for the picks one through 10 are actually assigned for the teams that finish 11 through 20 in order of playing time. So there's an incentive that if you have the most played appearances plus batters face for pitchers, then you will get the 11th pick. If any, it's like kind of like a lottery in that sense for if you get the most played appearances or innings pitched, then you get the best pick of the 11 through 20 slot. So that's a lot of fun as well. There's a couple different distinctions that we look at with player designations. There's a fan favorite, which is for any player that has eclipsed their rookie eligibility who is not kept in a franchise player slot. So there's a lot of different layers. Like I mentioned, it's really complex, actually. So if you you can actually find the, the whole... Uh, constitution on probably jesse's profile or james profile and it's fun to read actually there's an underdog player who can who's a player that was left um, unprotected or not drafted during the the two round uh, redistribution draft there's that there's a rising star player that you can designate that you select that you picked up during fab which is cool um, so there's a lot of different unique structures and there's three different drafts in the offseason actually so we're doing this one startup draft then we have three different drafts which kind of makes it very unique so there's a couple different keeper layers 
very detailed. I encourage you just to go read the Constitution. It's really fun. And I think that it is really set up to where Dynasty League so often gets so just unbalanced so quick and it's frustrating. And you see the leagues just get totally out of whack where there's just five teams at the top dominate. And and they have really the board has really thought through how to prevent this from happening. You have James Anderson, Ian Kahn, Jesse Roach, and Brett Sayer all set this up. So they've really made this a unique process. It's a lot of fun. So sorry, now the boring stuff is done. Um, we can talk about the draft so far and talk about our teams and talk about other teams. So that's the league, and let's chat about it. Let's do it. But before we get into the draft itself, we actually will start by Mr. Drew Wheeler making a live pick on air. This is his seventh round, pick 138 overall. So, Drew, what, what are you thinking here with this pick? Well, in terms of this pick, I'm kind of relying on the strategy that has brought me to the dance thus far. And Eric, being that you are from the Northeast, I'm not quite sure that you're going to know this phrase, but Chris, as a fellow Southerner, I think you'll have heard it before. Uh, my general plan is to act like I've been somewhere before and essentially not look like a fool, not embarrass myself. As such thus far, I feel I've done pretty well with that. I did, uh, not to bury the lead, get out to an early start with Garrett Cole and Aaron Nola at starting pitching. Uh, have some solid bats that I'm sure we'll talk about. But now I need to shift that a little younger. I want to keep the team balanced. And so after much deliberation, I'm going to be taking Zach Gallon. Oh, I like it. I, I thought about him with my last two picks. So that's that. I like that pick a lot. Yeah, he's been sitting there for a while, and he's been sitting at the towards the top of my queue, actually. So with my rankings, he's been the highest on the board for a while. I know there's some injury concern, but honestly, I listened to – to Nick's podcast, Nick Savali's podcast today, and he talked about Gallon, and he's not overly concerned, which uh, I, I really like that. So good pick there. Falling to one thirty nine is good. There was a point where we were like looking at him as a, you know, like a top fifty value in Dynasty. So yeah, funny how quickly that changed. And Gallon's still young, so I'm a fan of that pick. Absolutely, so. uh, he he is very young, and you know the injury concern, like you said, uh, Nick really assuaged all that. Uh, I think that the reports that I've read do the same not quite as uh not quite as believable hearing it from a wall of text as it is from person's voice so uh you know very excited to get gallon i think at 138 it is just uh obscene value so thank you very much yeah totally agree and yeah nick savali he knows his stuff he has a medical background extensive medical background and he played baseball uh, in, in the college as well so he is the Best of both worlds there. Obviously, his brother being Major League starter Aaron Savali for the Cleveland Guardians. So he is just a, such a great mind for baseball and for injuries. So check out his new po- podcast he started. He breaks down all – he's had two episodes so far. Breaks down all the notable injuries, what that means for fantasy. So definitely check that out. Nick is – I trust Nick 110% when it comes to injuries. He was right there with me saying, don't worry about Jordan's knees last year. And he look, was. He was right. And that's just one example – of many Nick knows his stuff. So definitely check that out. If you want to get the, get the lowdown, some notable injuries across the league. Uh, so Drew just made his seventh round pick here. So now we all have made seven picks. So Chris had the, what, sixth slot here and Drew and I are almost back to back. Drew has the 18 slot. I had the 16 slot. I didn't actually submit any, um, any keeper picks there. I was like, all right, I don't like, 
I didn't really care where I was. I figured I'd probably end up right around where I was, and I was fine with that. I kind of liked the value there. Uh, so let's go through the first round here. I said Chris picked six before Chris's pick at six. Juan Soto went number one. Ronald Acuna, number two. Vladdy Jr., three. Tatis went four. Bobich at five. And then at six, Chris took Mr. Trey Turner. Chris, what, what were you thinking there at six? Where, who were a couple of your targets you thought might fall? And was Turner one of those guys to begin with? Yeah, I think after the top three and even four, I guess there, there's the clear top four in my mind. But with the Tatis injury, I really was kind of curious where he'd go. Me too. And yep. that I think that's a, a big question in a lot of even redraft leagues and dynasty more specifically. Like as I've updated my dynasty rankings <sighs> that will be out as you're listening to this on, on fan tracks today, actually, as you're listening, I, I've just really debated where did Tatis go? Like, is there an injury risk long term? How do people value him still? And knowing Jordan, like I've, I've played in enough leagues with Jordan to know that he really likes Tatis. And so <laughs> I, I thought that he was going there as the board kind of fell. And I know some people were kind of posting in the uh, Discord draft room before, you know, who they were going with. Like Jesse made it clear he was taking Juan Soto at one and Eddie said Acuna at two. So I was really curious how the rest of the board would fall. I honestly hoped for Bichette at the sixth slot, but – I'm fine settling for Turner. I had a little bit of debate there with where I wanted to go. I do think that even though Turner is a little older, I think he's just 28 years old. And in the the way that I build a dynasty roster, he's the perfect fit. Sure, I'd love to have Bo, who is a lot younger, but still, I, you can't go wrong with Turner, who's the consensus number one uh, pick for redraft leagues. He's going to provide elite value, you know, 300 average, potential 30-30 upside. He's hitting the best lineup in baseball, and I really expect him to stay there. I think the Dodgers will extend him long-term after letting Corey Seager go. just can't imagine them letting Trey go as well. So it was not easy as I was hoping for Bo, but I yeah. still got my guy. And, you know, there's a couple other ways that I debated going just – you know, looking at my dynasty rankings, honestly, like I considered Jose Ramirez just from the standpoint of third base is pretty shallow and bottoms out pretty quick. So that was a consideration. Otani was also in consideration. Those guys both fell to 12 and 13, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. We'll talk. I'm sure we can talk about that. But to me, the top five was clear. And unfortunately, everybody else thought so, too. So I landed on <laughs> Trey Turner. Yeah, I, I was I was. Really interested to see where Tatis went. I, th- I thought he could maybe fall to you. I saw where you were at six after the uh, draft order got released, and I was like, oh, "Man, Chris might have a shot at Tatis." I thought, yeah, I there was a, at least a chance. I, I was like, oh, "Probably not," but you never know. And, and that's how I set up my my bid, the invisible hand. I didn't I didn't care for the first three. I honestly wanted fourth because you get the fourth best of the bunch or for, the fourth of whoever falls. Because to me, I think there's there's that tier of four. Bo's kind of in the next tier, and then it kind of goes down a hair from there just because of age for players and, and skill. Even though Trey Turner's skill set puts him at the top, I think that the age is just a little factor there. So I think I only bid, I only gave up three keepers to get the sixth pick, which I, I actually liked. I think I put in five or six to get the fourth pick, and then maybe four for the fifth pick, and then three for the sixth. So, you know, I got the sixth pick, which I thought was good. Would have preferred one of the top four, but that's okay. I'm I'm happy starting with Trey. Yeah, definitely no no issues there. 
right after your pick of Trey, we had a, a little bit of a young run here. Seven, eight, nine, DJ Short, Nick Ruse, and Brett Sayer went Kyle Tucker, Luis Robert, and Wander Franco. I love Tucker. I, I was really happy to see him go seven. I think I have him eighth in my dynasty ranking. So, and then that once he went, I'm like, all right, here we go. And sure enough, Robert and Franco went. And then at 10 was Raphael Devers. James Anderson took Ozzy Albies at 11. Then we went Otani and, and Joe Ram at 12 and 13, as Chris mentioned. 14, Bryce Harper. 15 to Chris Baseball Pods, Jordan Alvarez. And then it went to me at 16. I was kind of hoping Jordan was going to fall there. Obviously, I'm a big Jordan guy. So that guy put me in a spot where I could have gone one of really three ways. I could have gone, uh, there's the two slightly older superstars in my trout and Mookie Betts. They were sitting there for me. I could go young and go on the top two prospects with Witt or J-Rod, or I can go if like, right, maybe I go ace early Cole Burns, etc. I ended up going Bobby Witt because uh, I wanted to, I've missed out on Witt and, and made an unfortunate trade in another league, which actually doesn't, is not a league anymore. So it worked out fine. Uh, and I gave up Bobby Witt. So I'm like, all right, I wanted to share Bobby Witt here. He's that's a few spots higher than I have him in my rankings, but I felt okay doing that, getting that potential 30, 30 blends. They are pretty early on. So I went Bobby Witt at, so was at 16. Mike Trout went right after to Smada at 17. And then we got to drew here at 18. Uh, he went Garrett Cole. Was that kind of your, was he your target all along? But what, where were you thinking about going with that first pick there, Drew? Honestly, my <laughs> my favorite plan would have been Trout there. I uh, I am a firm Trout truther. Still think, you know, age is just a number when it comes to the greatest player in the game. And I was really aiming for Trout, but remember texting my brother. He was asking about what the plan was, and I said, you know, I think I'm going to have to go Trout or Cole unless I should really pull the trigger on J-Rod now. And so, you know, Smata took Trout. I was looking at Cole versus J-Rod and thought I can take Cole at 18. J-Rod will be there. Uh, that was my quick, quick lesson that this is a room of sharks and I need to start <laughs> swimming a lot faster. need to start taking some left turns quickly because uh, Waterloo went Rodriguez right after and that yep. one stung. Yeah, it, it was very, like I said, there's a lot of intriguing players right around there. Like I said, the aces, the older superstars, the younger potential superstars. So a lot of different ways people could go. And they said, yeah, J-Rod went right after you, 19 to Waterloo. Jeff Ponce is on the turn there, went Mookie Betts and Corbin Burns, like that pairing at 20 and 21. Waterloo took Walker Bueller to third, started off the board. And then you got Manny Machado there at pick 23. Uh, did you want to lock down your third baseman early and get that first big bat right there? You said it. I think that Machado is still very young um, considering. He's still got a wonderful bat. He's playing in a tremendous lineup. He's got that kind of fire that I think is going to keep him uh, a hot bat for a very long time. Uh, and as the first bat off the board to lock down third base as well, I was tickled. Uh, Machado and Cole felt really, really great. And I think that's a pair of picks that to me personally it feels better with age the further into the draft we get the better i feel about it yeah nothing wrong with it with that pairing you got the elite talent right now both in the prime of their careers very safe profiles as well so definitely a great pairing there you know cole being our you know cole burns is toss up people go either way but uh, definitely a great duo there uh then brendan woodruff went to smata at pick 24 
Then I, I picked 25. I was hoping Burns would fall to me. I would love to have gotten him. Obviously, I'm super high on Burns. He's my SP1 for Dynasty and Redraft. I was hoping to get him there. Uh, and then, obviously, J-Rod didn't fall. Another bets or Trout, which I thought there would have been a chance one of them fell just from other drafts I've been in. But that guy put me in a spot where I wasn't sure where I wanted to go. I took a few minutes to decide on this pick. I ended up going because I went, you know, obviously young prospect who obviously is major league ready, but I wanted to go a little bit more established with this pick. So I, I ended up getting Freddie Freeman, who I think is still going to be an elite asset for the next well, at least four or five years. And I, I don't think he's going to be a guy that falls off hard. I think he'll be a guy that ages pretty good into his mid to late thirties. He's going to be hitting in the middle of a silly that's the best word I can use, silly Dodgers lineup. This is like a lot of you make an MLB The Show where you can just make trades and do whatever you want. Like, this is ridiculous. He'll be hitting right in the middle of it all. So uh, elite four-category production. We've seen this one of the five highest floors in, in baseball. He's just such a good player. Four categories and give you a little bit of speed as well. So got my first baseman there. Uh, and going down to Chris's next pick here, uh, we had Austin Riley, Matt Olson, Aaron Judge, Julio Urias, Eloy Jimenez, Xander Bogarts, Shane Bieber, Jacob DeGrom, Sandy Alcantara. So three starters right in front of Chris. Were you thinking about taking an arm there, Chris? Or was getting this bat here your your plan all along? Um, I probably would have taken Bieber if he was there. Uh, age and upside with the arm there. I, I Personally, and I know we'll debate on this, but I, I don't see Sandy Alcantara as much different than like a Max Free type that I could have gotten later. Even though I knew that Alcantara would go early, DeGrom was a little old for my likings. So Bieber would have been probably the guy I took. It's just so different a dynasty league when you think about it. Like in a redraft league, I think it's a no-brainer to get a starter pretty high up. But in a dynasty, you have to really, really think through everything. And at the same time, like, I think it's important to have the high-end pitching, and Drew did exactly that with Cole. And the crazy thing is, when you when you look at pitching, like the, a pitcher's prime is so different than a hitter's prime. Like we see so many arms be able to pitch so much, you know, further into their careers at an elite level. And so Cole is like dead in the middle of his prime and has you know plenty of prime years left. Degrom with the injury concerns kind of kind of worried me off, and, and Bieber has his own concerns, but age on his side, so. I actually took a little bit of time with this pick because I didn't know which direction I wanted to go. After yeah. Bieber went, it, there was a lot of debate in my head of w- what to do exactly. And, you know, you toil over these picks. And even though the top picks, you know, are important, you know, they, like you think about the later picks probably matter the most. The top picks are still very important. Story for me is one whose value has actually moved up with the move. And it's kind of crazy to think that. You know, leaving Colorado has boosted his value, but for me, in his long-term outlook, it has. So with Story, he had a terrible year last year and still went 2020 at 24 <laughs> home runs, 20 stolen bases. And he I, love, eight- I love that's a that's a down year. Exactly. Yep. And he just benefits so much from being in Boston. And so I don't like filling both my middle infield slots in the first two picks. But when those are the two best players, I think it's kind of irrelevant. So if you're taking the best player on the board, obviously you can't just keep filling the middle infield slots. But uh, Story's going to have second and short. Turner's going to have second and short. So I'm not overly concerned about that. Uh, But I have the middle infield set off the bat. And it's a pretty strong combo of power speed. 
And I know people think Story's batting average is going to take a hit, but Fenway has a higher BABIP over the last three years than Coors Field. I know that's hard to believe, but Fenway's BABIP of 328 over the last three seasons versus Coors 326, while it's pretty similar, it's still a true statement that Trevor Story probably is not going to see a huge batting average drop in Coors, or in Fenway, excuse me. So I think he's still going to be a 280-type hitter that could hit 30 home runs and steal 15 bases. So when you pair that with a 300 hitter who's 30-30, it's a pretty strong start from a power speed standpoint. Speed bottoms out really quickly. And you know, Story, similar age to Turner there. With When I started with Turner, it kind of sets the foundation where you're going to build to win now. With Bo, you could go a couple different directions, but having Turner, you got to build to win. So that's what I was yep. doing. And while there were other considerations, um, their the story ended up being the top guy on my board. So I said, you know what? Let's fill the middle and field and do it. Yeah. And he said you, you could get 50-plus home runs, 50-plus deals out of those two right there. So yep. with a ton of RBI and runs scored, obviously. And, and yeah, 100% agree with, with Trevor's story. People forget, like, yeah, it's Coors Field. I think this everyone thinks, oh, Coors Field, that's the best hitting park in the world. It, it is. It has its perks, absolutely. But Fenway, for a talented right-handed hitter like Trevor Story, he is going to just absolutely rake there. You know, he he's going to pepper the monster. He's going to hit a lot of home runs. It's at 30-50. I think he, he could go 30-20. I wouldn't be surprised at all with a solid average. And I, I'm still waiting to see where he settles in into the order. My guess is how, with how I've seen the Red Sox in the back. If I had to guess, I'd probably say fifth, which is still a very good spot for him. It'll, it'll probably be they like Devers in the two-hole, then Xander three, and then probably JD four, and then we'll probably go story five if I had to guess. We'll see. No lower than five, obviously, and that's still a very good spot. But those guys, those three hitting right in front of you, he's driving so many runs. And he still has, like, Verdugo um, and, and Bobby Dahl back behind him, so he'll score a bunch of runs as well. So, yeah, I love the move for story. Uh, the Fenway and to you here. That was a great start there. I probably would have, if I was in your draft spot, I could see myself doing something very similar to what you did here uh, with Turner and story. And then really the, uh, the young guys have got, they're always pushed up in dynasty startups, obviously, but I feel like some of these guys got pushed up even more. Like we said, right after you torque went, so that's pick what? 36 or 37 right there. Uh, a little early. I thought on torque and then Buxton went, then at 38, Jazz Chisholm went. That's a, I mean, he's got the upside for it, but I feel like some of these guys got pushed up a little much there. And the, the round ended Tim Anderson, Pete Alonzo, flipped back around to the third, Tyler O'Neill, Lucas Giolito, Freddie Peralta, Lindor, Alex Bregman. And then you got Teoscar Hernandez, Chris, which was a guy I was hoping somehow would fall to me. I knew he would. I know you're a big Teoscar guy too. So this, uh, this was not a very surprising pick from you. But yeah, those are three great bats and like you said when you start with trey going like prospect heavy after that would make absolutely no sense time those guys are ready trey's like in his early 30s and he really kind of wasted the best of trey so getting a start of trey turner trevor story and then t oscar hernandez there that is 90 to 100 home runs and 60 or so steals that's, that's a great start there i love it yeah and yeah part of me wondered if t oscar dropped a little bit because concern about the the wrist, he had the, the little injury, but he's he's back doing drills, and I think he's fine. So I'm not really concerned about that. So I, I wondered if the the wrist sprain had something to do with him falling to to 46 because I I have him like around 30 in my dynasty ranks. So me too. And that's yeah, and he's proven, and that's I think people doubt, but he's he's proven. He keeps doing it again and again. And 
personally, I thought 2020 was a little bit fluky, but he did it again last year. So I'm, I'm all aboard this move. Again, the Jays lineup is just absolutely insane. So you've got three hitters here hitting in the, in the middle and the core of three elite lineups where they're going to have a ton of running RBI opportunities. There was some debate. Uh, Mullins was the only other one I considered here just because of the age factor. But in reality, there's not too much different in the age there. I think Mullins is 27, if I'm not mistaken. And T. Oscar is 29, if I'm if I'm right on that. I'm going to look up T. Oscar. That yes. sounds right, yeah. T. Oscar turned 29 in October, so uh, Mullins is 27. So, you know, you always want the younger guys in Dynasty – but at some point, you have to just step back and say, and I'll mention that in a pick I made later, where it's like, you know what? A year is not that big of a difference. So you just you take the better player, who I believe T. Oscar is a better player than Cedric Mullins. I can trust him more. So that's that's where I went. A five outfield league, you got to get those outfielders. So yeah. it's it was a an outfield pick. I honestly considered Kelnick as well. I know I considered your boy there. Even Riley Green to an extent. Like I knew I wanted an outfielder, and T. Oscar just made the most sense for a team that I think, you know, building a team that can win off the bat. Yeah, for sure. And then three picks later, Brett Sayer breaks my heart and takes Jared Kelnick with his pick there. Uh, Corey Seeger and Josh Hader going between those two. And then Cedric Mullins went at pick 50, Riley Green 51, Semyon, Mondesi, Scherzer, Brian Reynolds. And then, yeah, then my pick came up here at pick 55 or 56. And I was like, yeah, I need that. I want an outfielder here. I was really hoping like that Kalanick would fall and I'd be able to start with him or even Mullins or even Riley Green. But none of those guys fell, unfortunately. So I went with a guy that I've been, you know, a little critical of in the past. But I went with Brandy at Rosarena, who I thought that was decent. That's right around where I have him. In my dynasty rankings, I see where, we, where do I have him for exact? Yeah, I have him 52. This is 50, 56. So I felt okay taking him here as my, my outfield one. And that's 2020 right there. Still young in a good lineup. So I felt okay taking him there. That gives me, you know, potential for 45, 50 steals and home runs a year if Bobby Witt turns into the player that I think he can. And most of us think he, he can be. So I like that power speed blend, getting my outfield one there. And then Whit Merrifield went to Smata, and then Wheeler locked up his catcher here with Adley Ruchman. What, what was your thoughts with that? Was, that? was that your plan to go Ruchman? Was that your target? My target was actually either Max Scherzer or Brian Reynolds. I was going to okay. try to continue the, um, the themes of my draft thus far, which have been uh, pitching as a strength, and then let's win now while trying to keep the age under consideration. You know, I feel like it's pretty standard dynasty protocol. <laughs> Reynolds, I really, really love. He's a fabulous hitter. Got to give Chris credit there. Uh, another Chris, Fargus, got to give him credit for Max Scherzer. There's a thousand Chris's in this draft. <laughs> uh, in terms of Adley, I knew that kind of once my first two preferences were taken from me, I figured now was as good a time as any to hit a position that I think is on the rise. Eric, as your tweet earlier today said, um, but also I think I wanted to get a prospect and a top five prospect for myself, which, you know, Adley is that I think he's a sublime hitter. He has all the intangibles that I think is going to endear him to fans and to fantasy managers. He's fun to watch. He's, 
He's got a great bat. He's going to stick in that lineup, and I think his catching is is good. I think he's going to be uh, probably, and I, I said this in a tweet myself, probably the best fantasy catcher for the next decade, and I really am excited to get that position knocked out with such a quality bat associated with it. And young. He's, he's very young, as you would yep. imagine. Yeah, catching is definitely like I put up my top 50 dynasty catcher rankings well yesterday when you listen to this episode and catcher is just it's such a fun position. It feels weird to say that, but it is such all the young talent in terms of the prospects and the young guys that have already graduated like Kiber Ruiz, Alejandro Kirk and, and others. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm old enough to remember when Joe Maurer came up and when um, Buster Posey came up. And honestly, at the same time frame, I think Richmond's better than they were at that time, which is that's saying a lot because obviously Maurer and Posey have been were phenomenal Hall of Fame caliber careers. And Richmond, I think, is better than them at that point. We'll see how his career goes. Can't predict anything, obviously. But yeah, Richmond is maybe the best catching project I've ever seen. I'm, I'm not some, you know, weathered scout that's been around since the 80s, obviously. But, you know, from, from what I've seen, yeah, Richmond, he is the real deal. So that was a great pick there. Uh, let's finish up the round and take a quick break here. The last two picks of the third round to Waterloo and Jeff Ponce for Carlos Correa and the newest Minnesota twin and Jonathan India. I love Jonathan India. That that dude is a that dude is a ball player. I love India a lot. So great pick there by Jeff. And I'm not surprised he went with uh, with India knowing Jeff. But uh, let's take a quick break here. But before we do, got to mention a great giveaway that we're doing over at Fantrax. We did it for uh, fantasy football as well. It's the game day giveaways we're calling it so if you switch your league over to Fantrax now start a new league on Fantrax and you can use the url fantrax.com slash toolshed you will be automatically entered into this game day giveaway where you will get tickets for you and your entire league to any mlb game of your choice this season i said we did it for football i think they went to a green bay packers game great response from the, that league that went so Definitely a cool little thing. So, again, fantrax.com slash toolshed. Set up your new league there, and you'll be automatically entered for the that drawing, which I think we're doing in April. And don't hold me to that. I got to check on that. But it's a great thing. So definitely do that. Get your league over to Fantrax now. We will take a quick break, come back on the other side, and break down the next uh, four rounds. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. All right, welcome back. Let's get into where are we at round four now. Uh, Jeff Pont started with Dylan Carlson, then Kettle Marte went, and then as you alluded to earlier, you got your second arm here, Drew, with Aaron Nola, who I absolutely love. And Chris, does, we we've both spoken very highly of Aaron Nola on this podcast many times. Wish the uh, Phillies would prioritize putting a good defense. At least they're they're putting a good lineup around them to give them some run support. So I guess that's one that's one side of it, but. Man, like that's gonna be 
Oh, that might be one of the worst defenses. Were they the worst defense in baseball already last year, and they've somehow gotten worse? It's <laughs> it's, it's, it's 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 a weird. Uh, it's gonna be a fun team to watch, but it's gonna be it's a kind of a weird build for real life purposes there. And you being a Phillies fan here, Drew, so you must be ecstatic to get, to get Nola as your SP two here. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think the homerism aside, Nola is a tremendous pitcher to have as your number two, and a tremendous value here. Somehow he is 29 years old. I feel like I've been watching him for 43 years now. Right, and exactly. that could, again, it could just be the, the nature of the Phillies team recently. But even still, I think that with the Phillies who have, you know, misunderstood universal DH, with the Phillies misunderstanding the universal DH and playing every DH rather than fielding a defense, I do think that it's going to be a fun team to watch. Now that still being said, I think Nola is going to be a great pitcher regardless. Uh, I think that he really, his peripherals really show that he was, uh, you know, not not kind of valued the way that he should have been in terms of his pitches. I think he and Cole together make a very dynamic duo at the top of the pitching staff for me. Very excited to have them both uh, as I continue to build this sort of win now team. And I love Nola. And yes, obviously, if I can be completely honest, the homerism did play into the pick a little bit as well. Uh, that's totally fine because he was the let's see one two three four, I think like the thirteenth or fourteenth arm off the board. So definitely great value there. And yeah, Cole and Nola to start your staff. That's that damn good one too. That's for sure. Paul Goldschmidt went after that to Smada, and then I went. Uh, I was hoping this guy would fall because I wanted to get another. I, I, I'm trying to build the young power speed, and you know, looking the way this draft has gone, I I don't. I think I'll probably be like middle of the pack, uh, or at least can you know a not maybe not a championship contender, but at least you know someone in the top half of the standings first year. Uh, hopefully it it goes well. But I wanted to really years two and three is where I wanted to really make my impact here. So obviously I went Bobby Witt, Freeman, Rosarena. Then I got Anthony Volpe from the Yankees. So I think is another 25, 25 type of guy. And yeah, they're both kind of shortstops now, him and Witt, but. Maybe Witt goes to third. He's been playing a lot of third right now this spring for Kansas City. Maybe Volpe moves off. Maybe he moves to second. So maybe not. neither one of these two are shortstops at, at one point. But uh, so I wasn't really worried about that. I just wanted to get another young power speed guy. I saw the, the way prospects were going in this draft, even though there wasn't really many in round three outside of uh, Rushman and Riley Green. But I knew Volpe was not going to last to me. I knew like C.J. Abrams, another one I was uh, – contemplating here was not going to come back to me same thing with Novi Marte I knew their guys are coming off the board so wanted to get Anthony Volpe's I don't have any Volpe shares in Dynasty wanted to share here so I like the young like in four, three four years I could have three you know 20 plus 20 plus guys with my first four picks so really like that after Volpe Jorge Polanco Zach Wheeler back to that catchers with Sal Perez and Will Smith Will Smith being the third catcher off the board was pretty interesting I thought he'd go before Sal Perez Alec Manoa, Logan Webb, C.J. Abrams, O'Neal Cruz, Noli Marte went to D.J. Short right before Chris, who got his first arm here with Dylan Cease. Yeah, and so I knew I needed a pitcher. I uh, was just waiting for her to see how the board fell pretty much because you never really know. Wheeler sat around for a while. Nola sat around for a while as well. And those are guys that are easy third-round picks. I'm sure the Wheeler kind of injury – threw that off a little bit. So when I'm drafting in a dynasty, I always want to 
draft being conscious of what I'm going to do in the next couple picks. So there were several arms that I considered here and looking at which way to go. Um, I figured, how do I draft two starters that complement each other the best? You know, I had no intention of going closer, even though that's important. That's a you know, fourth round's a little high for me to go uh, with a closer. So I figured I could wait there, but I knew I needed a starter at this point, starting with three hitters because pitching is important. So Cease being an upside arm is who I went with. You know, he made major strides last year. He was highly inconsistent, but still just 25 years old. And Cease being the pitcher that he is, I think he struck out 226 batters last year. You know, if he if he pitches 180 plus innings, we could be looking at 250 strikeouts. So I, I really debated Cease, Max Freed, and Trevor Rogers. So in my brain, I said, well, those Cease plus one of those two could complement each other extremely well. Because you you get the strikeouts from Cease and in decent ratios, and you get the floor with one of Rogers and Freed. So I went with upside with Cease, and unfortunately wasn't able to get either of those guys coming back, the Freed or Rogers. But it still worked out. I think we'll see. Um, but yes, yeah, Cease from a standpoint of I think he's the youngest on my roster. You know, from the first four picks, getting a starting pitcher that's still developing and refining his arsenal and has the stuff to be an SP1, in my opinion. So, you know, I've not always been the biggest Cease fan, but I've really come around. I think he did a lot of good stuff last year and progressed in a lot of ways. So, you know, I'll bank on Cease in a dynasty league, really taking a step forward and build with safety later in the arms. Yeah. How bummed were you that you didn't get freed? Uh, That kind of sucked. I mean, I I just think freed is still, you know, underrated for what he does. And so... I was I really thought that he would make it back to me, but you know, looking at Alex Sanchez having a Braves logo as his emblem on fan tracks, I should have known he wasn't going to make it back. So I wonder, I, I wonder if I had taken Freed in the fourth, if Cease would have made it to the fifth. Maybe. Probably not with the run of pitchers because we can talk about it. But it went Robbie Ray after me, Liam Hendricks, Trevor Rogers, Max Freed, and Carlos Rodon all went in between in those ten picks from when I picked again. So. That was a, it was tough, but I still got a guy that I, I really, really like in the next round. Yeah. And you paired him, paired him with Joe Musgrove, or we're, we're both very high on. So you got two top 20 arms to, you know, head your staff here that are both, you know, I think they're both what around 27, uh, give or take there. So still pretty young, getting into the prime of their career after you got those three big power speed bats. So yeah, you, you probably might have the top win now team. Uh, through the first five rounds here. And yeah, right after you went C, so went Ray, Christian Yelich, Cody Bellinger, Liam Hendricks, Brendan Lowe, uh, Trevor Rogers, Chris Bryant, Max Freed, Carlos Rodon, Nick Castellanos, and you got Musgrove there. So uh, great start for you, Chris, there to your first five. After Chris, Jose Barrios, Javier Baez, Andrew Vaughn, Alex Kirilov, Willie Adames, Nolan Arenado, Frankie Montas, George Springer, Corbin Carroll, and then I got my first arm here with Shane McClanahan, who I, I felt great taking McClanahan here. I was hoping that one of that cluster that we just talked about, like a Musgrove, though I know he wouldn't get past Chris from, from our conversations. Or, or I, I, mean, I thought maybe a Trevor Rogers would fall. He seems to be kind of still undervalued now after missing time late in the season. I hoping one of them would fall to be my ace, but McClanahan's not too far behind those guys in my dynasty rankings. Like 
he was he missed having three 40 percent whiff rate pitches by 0.1 percent last year and yeah maybe the ratios are never super elite he might be a, a similar type of guy to like dylan cease where it's like all right the ratios are good but not great but you get the elite strikeouts i think that could be Shane mcclenhan he reminds me a lot of blake snell uh similar type of arm so love to get him here i wanted to double tap and get shane boz was my second arm notice i was going with the, with the shane double tap unfortunately he went three picks better to michael waterloo so i got chris sale as my second arm a uh, few picks later. We'll get to that here in, in a minute, though. But I, I like that. You know, sales a little risky, obviously, but that was pick 105. Yeah, he's got the injury right now, but hopefully that's not a long-term thing. I think he's still got another, another few years at least of being a you know elite top 20 caliber fantasy arm. So I'm pretty happy with my my duel of McClanahan and Sale here. After I picked McClanahan, Fran Mill Reyes went to Smada, and then Drew. I like this pick a lot. I was I was a little surprised. I will admit. Uh, that you went Saya Suzuki here, but there's a lot of talent. He's at he's at that right age. He's 26 years old. Good, you know, cup good landing spot there. I think with the Chicago Cubs. So, uh, what were your thoughts? You're taking Suzuki here at pick. What was that? 98, I believe it was. Suzuki is my boy. Um, anyone who has followed my uh, my writing tenure thus far can say with certainty that this is a fact. He. <laughs> <laughs> He and I, it's hard not to laugh and smile whenever I'm talking about this guy because I truly believe he is a wonderful and special talent. And I, I think that this was honestly the latest that I could have tolerated not having him on my team. I considered Suzuki in the fourth, I considered Suzuki in the third. And at this point, I realized you know, you can wait no longer. This is the time. Um, in an article that I wrote earlier this offseason for SP Streamer, I looked at Suzuki's numbers compared to other imports from NPB. I looked at his his plate discipline and his his underlying skills and metrics, and I projected him in January to have a line of 261 uh, average, 356 OBP, 23 homers, 72 RBIs, 76 runs, and 6 steals. And the more that time has passed, I, I really am satisfied to see that people are starting to come around to that kind of belief. It's very vindicating for me to see that folks are coming on board with this guy who, you know, admittedly has has a really tough path to the majors. You have to consider the the cultural change alone of jumping continents and starting a highly publicized new job are incredibly stressful. But this is a this is a young man who I believe is going to succeed admirably, and the Cubs have made it abundantly clear he's the guy. That's a, a very large contract for a player uh, of Suzuki's ilk, who I believe is going to outperform the ninety eighth spot that I picked him at. As part of the Highlander rules, I'm allowed fan favorites, and right now this is my early <laughs> for fan favorite. One FF one as the <laughs> constitution outlines it. The the league as a whole was very. Uh, they seemed a bit forlorn that I had gotten him there, and so that again is is very um, rewarding to see that it was such a a lauded and appreciated pick. I don't think that I would have been able to live it down on the SP Streamer Elite Discord had I not made it away <laughs> with Seiya Suzuki in the Highlander Dynasty Invitational, and I'm so. So glad I did. Yeah. Suzuki is 
Chris, I think Chris and I are both in agreement that we're we're pretty in on him. You know, maybe maybe he's not a huge speed guy, or at least not as he was over there. But yeah, I, I've kind of been in that similar line of thinking with you that this could be. Someone asked me the other day, like, where do you think he could settle in as a, in terms of the outfielders long term? Could, could, could be top twenty, top thirty. I'm like, yeah, top thirty outfielder. And I think I don't think top twenty is out of the question because mm-hmm. I was talking when I did the AL only tout auction uh, live stream with Tim McLeod, who obviously is very in tune. Uh, with with the Asian baseball market over there, he said obviously taking out Otani because that's just a different story altogether. That he thought Suzuki was the best hitter to come over since Hideki Matsui, which was two thousand and three. Six, three, three in that range. 15, 16 years ago, a long time ago. Let's I agree with I, I agree with Tim completely. I th- and Tim is wonderful, by the way. Shouts out to Tim McLeod. What's up? Absolutely. Uh, I love Tim. Tim's a good guy. He's a great dude. We actually spoke together on a panel at Pitch um, at uh, First Pitch Florida, and we were really glad we're not on the sa- in the same leagues a lot of the time. We have very similar <laughs> tastes, which would make sense based on Suzuki. And I think the question you were asked, Eric, is really interesting because Suzuki, I think, is absolutely a top 20 dynasty outfielder going forward. I I know you guys have talked about him in terms of FYPD, but he's my number one with a bullet. I think he's about as slam dunk as you can get at this point. Like I said, I'm I'm very biased, but absolutely tickled to have him on yeah. my team. Yeah, yeah. And I think your projection's really fair too. I think everybody wants to overhype the speed a little bit, but yeah. his success rate is was not great. And I think that he's gonna face better catching with better pop times here so i think five to seven steals is probably pretty realistic but with everything else you get in the package i think that he's he's well worth it and i think that he really hits the ground running i think the home run projection is very reasonable and i think that the ceiling's even higher than that but i'm on board i think that we have to factor in things like you know the transition the culture cultural transition that you have to make and we saw that with hasi and kim yes obviously kim didn't see consistent playing time which i think weighed in on him and so I don't think it's fair to compare Suzuki to to Kim last year. And so I'm I'm on board with Kim this year, and I think Suzuki is going to be solid this year as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing both play. Yeah, and, and he's going to be in a great park. It's a good hitter's park there, Wrigley Field. And that comes out of just – they're just going to get better and better over the next few years because, A, they have money, and, B, they have a very talented farm system – that, yeah, they're all still a few couple years away for the most part, but they'll be adding Brennan Davis. Like I said, they have the money, so I think that's going to be another – they'll have another powerhouse lineup for, within the next few years. And, yeah, Suzuki could be right in the middle of that. Definitely love Suzuki. Very, very talented. And he, and he, how can you not love him? The guy just seems so lovable, too. Like, like what, when they're asking him, like, what uh, why'd you pick 27 for your number? He just he grabs the microphone. Mike Trout, I love you. Like, I love this guy. He is so likable. I, I want him to be like as good as Matt Suey was. Like, I want this guy. Down. I'm also, I'm also kind of, like, I love, I like the Cubs too. Like, they're those with a team I kind of like, like my, almost my National League team. But yeah, a lot, lot to like there with, uh, with CS Suzuki. That is for sure. And that was at pick 98. Uh, Boz went right before that. Kevin Gaussman. Wait, I'm going the wrong way. Yeah, no, I'm going the right way. Yeah, Boz went right after that. Excuse me. Kevin Gaussman. Jose Altuve, Grayson Rodriguez, who I was going to take when I took sale. I was like, oh, let's take G-Rod here uh, since I missed out on Shane Boz. So somebody get one of those two. I, Marte went to Drew Wheeler here. I, dude, you, I was, I had Marte queued up. I'm like, all right, 
yeah, he's a little older. He's what, 32, I believe he is. He's at the little oblique thing. I don't think that's a long-term thing, but I'm like, all right, get a win now piece, get a lot of speed here. So I had him queued up. I'm like, oh, he'll probably fall into the couple picks here. And you took him there. So great pick there with starting Marte. That's a good pick. Thank you, sir. Um, you know, it's it was such a bummer. I, I looked at Jeff Ponce and I looked at Michael Waterloo and I thought, you know, oh, I'd love G-Rod. I'd love my favorite player currently in the MLB, Altuve. Both, back-to-back. It was uh, knife, that goes sometimes. knife, knife yep. in the back. <laughs> and so at that point, I uh, to be completely transparent, I dialed up my buddy Peyton Skinner. And we had a quick chat, and the conversation essentially boiled down to us both trying to find anyone that made more sense than Starling Marte. And after about five minutes, we kind of were silent for a moment and said, okay, Marte it is. I made the pick and told him thanks. And so, you know, that kind of – that little bit of, you know, no, this is the right pick, but is there anything else that is the right pick more? Is there anything else that makes better sense – but, you know, like I said, a win-now team needs guys like Starling Marte. Uh, if, if he stays healthy and if he's running in New York, I think it's a great pick. And, you know, he and Suzuki kind of balance one another out in a really great way as well. I'm just – I'm really excited, and I'm sorry that I aped your guy there, Eric. I'll try <laughs> my best good. not to do it in the future. <laughs> All good. It happens in a sharp room as we're in now with the Highlander dynasty. Yeah, I, got, I was literally had – that exact same kind of thought process. I was like, you know what? I wasn't, I never wasn't really planning on it, but it's looking at my team and the, and the board. I'm like, it made a lot of sense. And I'm like, at this point in round six of a 20 teamer, I mean, yeah, he's a little older. Yeah. He's kind of hurt, but I was like, it made so much sense. So yeah, great pick there. And I took sale two picks later. Uh, Iglesias went right in, in the middle and that started a little bit of a closer run here. A few picks later, class a, a few picks after that, Edwin Diaz, uh, rest of the round here after I took sale, Tyler Molly, JT Real Muto, Emmanuel Classe, Luis Castillo, Tristan Casas with the James Anderson. You know, I love Casas. That dude's going to be an absolute stud. Logan Gilbert, Ian Anderson, Edwin Diaz, Jake Cronenworth. And then, Chris, I'll be honest, this pick by you surprised me. Just from how we've we've talked about this guy and how I, I, thought, I thought I knew how you thought about this guy. So I'll be surprised. I was a little you know, a little shocked that you took Yohan Moncada here, but what was, what was your reasoning behind that? Uh, the third base pool is so shallow. Yeah. And, so I, I kind of thought that was your reasoning. Yeah. And at that point it's, it was either, I don't know. I, and I wait, I was like, man, where does he go? And, and honestly, in this process, I looked at several pe- people's public rankings and was like, all right, what's the most likely thing to happen? And I was looking at the, the guys in between me and obviously, I knew that Drew Sperling didn't need a third baseman. He had Bregman already, but no one else had a third baseman. Uh, Jesse and Brett have Yohan Moncada ranked pretty high. Moncada has been noted to say that he plans on running more this year. If it Thankfully. happens, it happens. Yeah, he, he should. <laughs> I don't know why he hasn't. I, I think Moncada's just consistently underperformed. And at this point, the third base board was basically down to Moncada, Anthony Rendon, or Brian Hayes. And so in my brain, and I almost took Jesse Winker, I was going to take Jesse Winker or a third baseman. That was basically what I was going to do at this at this pick. I needed an outfielder, so Winker had fallen pretty significantly to this point. And I thought, which one is most likely to come back to me? And I really thought that, 
Jesse might go with Moncada, which is one of the reasons I went there. I'm not I'm not sure how I feel about Anthony Rendon yet. I like him, but he's really had just one really, really good season. And other than that, yeah, the batting average has been good, but the power really hasn't been there. And the injuries last year, I know he says he's healthy, but that concerns me. Hayes, I, I still like Hayes, but I just have questions about the power. Um, where what does he get to? So that led me to say, all right, is Moncada or Winker, which one makes it back to me? And I thought looking at the board, I was like, all right. So I I was thinking maybe Moncada or maybe Winker has the better chance based on who in between me already had outfielders. And then a lot of outfielders went. So I took Moncada and then we saw Brennan Davis go. We saw John Carlos Stanton go. We saw Trent Grisham go. We saw Guriel go. Saw Josh Lowe, Joey Gallo. I was like, dang, Winker's really going to make it back despite all these outfielders going. I was shocked. And then he didn't. Drew sniped me there. <laughs> so not, not this Drew that we're talking about. Drew Sperling, he took Winker in that spot, which I thought was a significant fall to the seventh round. But I, I do think the move to Seattle is a little bit of a downgrade, but I'm still a, a Jesse Winker fan. So, yeah, it was tough. But in in the realm of building this team to win, Moncada makes the most sense to fit because, you know, Hayes could still be another year or two away from really putting his best product on the field. I'm not a Matt Chapman fan at all. I think he's just complete empty power. Agreed. And so that really – left me with and after that it's just honestly the third base is just crap in, in my opinion <laughs> unless you're going to go with an old vet like which is not a bat in a 20 team you can you will have to do that looking like a justin turner or a josh donaldson who i think are still really good players but maybe at the very tail end of their career i felt more comfortable saying all right i'll bank on moncada because he has the skills he just hasn't fully owned them yet he's still young enough to where i think he can own those skills and so that's why I went with Moncada. If he's a 25-10 guy with a 260 average, I'd be happy with that considering how the third base pool bottoms out so quickly. It, it really does. And if you mm -hmm. take anything from this episode, third base is crap, quoted by Mr. Chris <laughs> Clegg. Take, <laughs> that'd, be the that'd be the title of this show. <laughs> Dynasty, Dynasty draft recap. Third base is crap. Yeah, that's what we'll call it. Um, all right. So after – there was a little bit uh, – not a little bit, a huge outfield run – after Moncada. Well, then Stansby Swanson and Verlander were the next two picks, but then I think what seven of the next nine were out. Actually, technically, eight of the next nine were outfielders because Stanton showed up as DH here, but obviously he plays outfield as well. So we had Brennan Davis, Giancarlo Stanton, Trent Grisham, Pablo Lopez, the only non outfielder. What an outcast. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel, Josh Lowe, Joey Gallo, Jesse Winker, and then the, the run ended with Chris taking Joe Adele, who I, I'm definitely buying that. You know, I was never out on Adele. Obviously, I dropped him down my rankings because he kind of had to with his performance. But we, we saw that the video that you tweeted out that we were talking about last time about how his swing looks so much smoother, so much more simple. It's direct to the ball. He's got a lot of the extra movement in the swing from pre-pitch setup all the way through. It's just been very much simplified. And the power's there. We'll see how much average he gets for how much he runs. But definitely uh, a good spot here for Joe Adele. I was actually contemplating taking him if he fell to me at my, at my pick, another 10 picks later. So great pick there with Adele. Yeah, he was a tough one. And another one where I was like, all right, he's he's so hard to value. So I went to the board and looked at all these people's rankings. and was like, 
no chance he makes it back because yeah, uh, Brett Sayer is a, a huge Joe Adele fan. And yep. I know him and Jesse's ranks are combined, but they have him right around 100. And that's even before the spring. And Adele looks really, really good. I mean, this is we're not far removed from him being a top 10 prospect. He's extremely athletic. And you mentioned he simplified everything. He, I never understood because he, why did he need all the extra stuff in his swing? He's always had that huge power. Just put the bat on the ball and good things are going to happen. I don't know what kind of average Adele hits for, but what I do have is a solid batting average foundation, in my opinion. So I can absorb a 260 average. Even. And it, it's worth noting the strides that Adele made last year so quietly that mm-hmm. no one even picked up on. The contact rates jumped significantly. His zone contact in 2020 was just 66%. It jumped to 79.5% last year. While that's not a great zone contact rate, the gains are notable. His overall contact rate went from 60.8% in 2020 up to 72.3% last year. He made major strides in a lot of areas that just went completely unnoticed. And so that's very important to note. And even now, he made even more swing changes. So I think we're going to see the bat on the ball be even better. The skill set is there. The the prospect pedigree is there. So for me, I have no problem saying, look, this is a, a – while I debated it, I think it's a pretty easy pick from the upside standpoint where we may be looking at Joe Adele as a top 50 player this time next year yep. where even if he hits 250 or 260 – I still think there's 30 home run, 10 stolen base potential there. Absolutely is. And yeah, with the team you already had assembled, like you mentioned, you have the really great foundation at the top. You got your two aces. You got another solid win now guy in Moncada. You could afford to take a little bit of a gamble here to see if that can happen for Joe Adele and he can take that jump, which I definitely think he can. The power is so elite. Like I saw him take batting practice at the AFL before the Fall Stars game back in 2019. He's hitting like 420 foot tanks the opposite way. It was just, there was a hill in right field. He had it like up the hill. It's a stupid, crazy power. So you yeah, definitely love Adele. That could be a really fun outfield with Trout, Adele, Brandon Marsh, who I like a lot as well. Really fun outfield there. All right. After Adele, Ryan Mountcastle, Anthony Rendon, Marco Luciano, Nick Gonzalez, Jesus Sanchez, Ryan Presley, Blake Snell, Lance Lynn, Luis Garcia. And then I came up here. I made mean, my pick. This was about an hour and a half ago or, or so. I ended up going Dalton Varsho. Give me some flexibility. I'm not quite sure if he's to be my catcher, if he's to be my second outfielder. We'll see. But I was kind of continuing that trend of getting my power speed. Yeah, he could be a potential 20, low 20s homer, you know, 10 to 15 steel guy. He hit over 300 in the minor leagues. I think it'll be a good average there as well. You saw what he did in the second half. He hit 290. Over his last like 200, I think it was 220 plate appearances with 10 home runs, five steals. So power speeds there. Catch eligibility, at least for now. We'll see how long that lasts. Who knows? But he could be my catcher right now. And then obviously all the catching talent we've, you know, we've kind of alluded to in, earlier in this episode and in, in my rankings, uh, in the article I put out today, so many good young catchers. Maybe I grab another one later and he's my outfielder. We'll see. But that nice little flexibility is pretty solid. And I, I have four really good power speed ones to start my draft along with Freddie Freeman, who's just an elite four-category guy. And then the last couple of picks, Frember Valdez. Drew, you took Zach Gallon there. We talked about him. And then Kyle Schwarber was the last pick made. Actually, no, excuse me. Uh, Jeff Ponce just made his picks on the turn with Mitch Hanniger and you Darvish. So we are officially through the first seven rounds of the Highlander Dynasty Invitational in the, to the beginning of round eight. 
So before we get out of here, guys, let's just talk about just our teams in general. Uh, Drew, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on your team here through the first seven rounds? Through the first seven, I've got to say I'm pleasantly surprised. I do like the mix of youth and prospect-heavy young fellows as well as the win-now core that I kind of crafted in the first two rounds. I think that right now everything is still very flexible and knowing myself, it will transition into more of a win now monster as we continue going. I I really like deep prospects. I found more than a lot of uh, a lot of the people I've been drafting with. Now, granted, this is an entirely different animal, so we'll see how that that part of this goes. Uh, like I said, love Cole Nola. I think Gallon is a great compliment for that. And oh, I'm on the clock now. That's great. Oh, um, right. Michael Waddle. Hey. I was I was gonna say I was, I was debating going keep Brian Hayes in my next. That pick. that was my next pick as well. Yes. Okay, so I don't feel as bad now. But he just went to Michael Waddle. So look at this. You can you can start the show with a live pick <sighs> and end the show with a live pick, Drew. I who guess you, I who can. You, who are you going with here? What are your thoughts? Okay. Let's have a quick look aroo. Hey, we can even chat. We can, well, I'll say we can talk it out, but we're on the league. I together, mean, so. <laughs> I, if, if you want to feel free to chime in there, Chris, feel free, buddy. Let's see. Next, see, I keep thinking Austin Meadows was my backup to Cabrian Hayes, but I don't know about three, three outfielders. I don't know about Austin Meadows as a complete hitter. His risk is a little scary. Oh, Brian Hayes would have been clutched there. Michael. I know. I, I almost took him last. I was like, it was between him and Varsho. And I was like, all right, let's just take Varsho, cross my fingers, hope Hayes comes back to me. But I should have known he was going to go soon. I'm surprised yeah. Hayes dropped this far, to be honest. I am too. too. You know, in keeping with the theme of win now, how about a whole lot of RBIs? How about Jose Abreu? Nice. Not bad. I All like right, it. Yeah. Abreu is super underrated. Uh, yeah, everybody dislikes Abreu, and I don't get it. Dude, he, All he does every, is perform. Exactly. Every year he's performed. At Michael Simeone. You heard it here, bro. <laughs> Jose Abreu. Thank you. Oh, does, he, does he not like Abreu? I took Abreu in a mock or in some SP. I think it was in a, an SP streamer elite Discord league we did. And I was like, you know, what do you think of a team so far, dog? And he comes back with. I don't like Abreu. I was like, what, there? He goes, not at all. And I kind of scratched my head for a minute before writing back, and I was like, do you, do you don't listen, You don't like good players? I mean, I know you're a Mets <laughs> right? fan, but you have to appreciate talent somewhere there, Mike. Yep. Well, <sighs> this so. is the guy that doesn't like pancakes and sure, yeah. doesn't like Jared Kelnick. And- he doesn't like pancakes. He doesn't understand Sia Suzuki. He doesn't get prospects. He doesn't mm-hmm. like the band Creed. What is Michael good for at this point? <laughs> I don't know. He's good know. for us busting his balls. That's what no, he's good yeah. for. Thank God for that, man. Because hey, he's good at that. I do need to make an announcement, Eric, that you'll love because I was in a, a auction oh. draft with Michael the other night. Wait, will, I, will I actually love it? Yes, or, because he he drafted Jared Kelnick. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, okay. I swear. Oh, wow. Hey, let's, let's talk and about I, this for a second. I right. immediately texted him and I said, I, I am going to tell Eric that you just did this. <laughs> I, I am, and I am now currently texting him to give him crap for that. And he says, well, I really didn't mean to. I didn't expect him to go this cheap, which is true because he did only he went for three bucks, which I thought was silly. And I almost hit another buck, and I don't know why I didn't, but three dollars in a redraft leagues. Yeah, I was just redraft, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So 
Okay, I I I have to formulate a text here to him to bust his balls for that. <laughs> it's a it's a great pick. Yeah, Drew's texting him as we speak. We're all just gonna text him right now, live on the air to get, give him crap. I love it. I love it. But you know, we we bust chops, but Simeon's one of the best He's people the best, around. Man. He's for the best, sure. Man. Uh, so that's gonna wrap us up here. I was hoping to get a live pick in of my own, but. Uh, Smata's yeah. not, not currently in the draft room, so we won't wait. As I am on deck here, we'll see how I, I got to change my my thought process here. I was hoping to keep Brian Hayes would go, so I will have to change it up. But that is going to wrap us up. Drew, thank you so much for coming on, man. This was a lot of fun breaking down the first uh, seven rounds of this draft. It's been a real treat. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, you put on a fabulous show. You two are very welcoming and wonderful hosts. I very much appreciate the opportunity to come on and discuss the Highlander League and uh, my fledgling career in the fantasy baseball industry. I appreciate you both so much as I look up to and admire you both so very much. Uh, thank, thank you very much for those kind words. You, you, do, you do a lot of great work. Yes, yeah, so you're check out his work over at SP Streamer and the new prospect podcast, or is it, no, it's a dynasty. Well, dynasty and prospects podcast with uh, Peyton Skinner, the, the next pick. Great stuff there. They have the first episode out now talking your top 20 prospects. So check that out. And that is going to wrap us up. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow all of us on Twitter. Drew is at Drew is okay. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrex Toolshed. And check out all Chris and I's written work at Fantrex HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. fans. It's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how we can help you be next.